down payments, down payments. So what about down payments? When we're interacting with clients, there's a very important conversation to have with a client who wants to put down anything other than 5, 10, 15, 20%. Sometimes they need to put down 35% to meet like a certain BFS program. I understand that. But 5, 10, 15, and 20, these are magic numbers. And I'm going to encourage you not to be an order taker. When that client says to you, oh, I'm going to put 27% down and they qualify handily to put 20% down. I'm gonna suggest you actually submit that to the lender and get an approval back for 80% loan to value, especially if it has a longer completion date. Like if you've got two months, three months. And the reason for that, as I explain it to clients when they say, well, this is more money than I want, it's very, very easy for us to go back and say to the lender, the client would like to increase the down payment and reduce the mortgage. That's no problem. But if we go back three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, seven weeks from now and say, hey, the client that was going to put 27% down, now they want to put down 26.9%. They want to put down a dollar less. We have to resubmit that file, re-underwrite it. You may need a fresh credit bureau. We may need a fresh job letter, fresh pay stub, everything. So in order to protect you, I'm qualifying you for the maximum that you qualify with this lender. I'm getting the file underwritten accordingly. And it's very, very minor to increase the down payment. That's just more security for the lender. And it's a couple of keystrokes, a new commitment, really not a big deal. Now, some underwriters are thinking, no, that's still a big deal. It's a lot less of a big deal than having to come back and ask for more mortgage money. That is a complete redo of the file. And the thing is you have to walk clients through the math. And the math, as I say, 5, 10, 15, 20%. When you, when you look at a 1% increase in the down payment, so let's pick $10,000. What does putting an extra $10,000 do for a client? What does putting an extra $10,000 down do for a client? It lowers their monthly payment by about 40 bucks a month. That's the first thing to let the client know. Like, by the way, putting this extra $10,000 down will reduce your mortgage payment by, and be precise, do the actual math for that actual file, but it's roughly 40 bucks, give or take a couple dollars. Most people don't believe that, they're, 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 they're shocked. They think in their heads because they're not doing the real math, just like they don't do the real math on interest rate variances, they think it has a much more significant difference than 40 bucks. And then ask them, how do you sleep better at night? with an empty space, you know, under your pillow, but knowing that you have a $40 lower mortgage payment or with a $10,000 cash lump under your pillow. Personally, I sleep better having $10,000 cash that I can draw on if the hot water tank blows up, the roof blows off and the transmission falls out of the car all in the same day. That's your rainy day fund. And oh, but I don't wanna pay extra interest. Okay, you're paying about 16 bucks a month in extra interest to have that $10,000, which by the way, you could take that $10,000, put it in a GIC at 2% and offset your mortgage rate. So now it's net zero. It's not costing you anything to have that $10,000 semi, semi-liquid. It's not totally liquid when it's in a GIC, but if they don't ever need to draw on it, the interest that's accruing on the GIC offsets the interest they're spending, not having put that money down. Because again, the thing you must, must stress to clients is that down payment money 
is largely gone from their lives forever. They're never going to see that cash again. If they're putting down 5, 10 or 15%, they can't refinance. They can't say, oh, hey, can I get some of that extra down payment? Remember how I made you know, a 7% down payment and you told me I could have made a 5% down payment? Can I get that 2% back? I got some stuff happening in my life. They can never, ever access that money back again, short of selling the property. And that's a big deal. And again, when you look over the last 12 years, the way the goalposts have constantly been moving, even someone who qualifies for 80% today and puts you know, 30% down, next week, they may not be able to refi to 80%. The government could move the goalposts on us again. So there's no guarantee. So I always say to clients, think of this money like a, it's like a one-way valve. <coughs> Lump sum payments, down payments. You put that money on your mortgage. It's a one-way valve. This is the least expensive money you're going to borrow in your entire life. Don't use up your final cash balances. And frankly, if you've got RSP contribution room, if you've got TFSA room, if you've got an ability to put that money somewhere where you can earn more than a 2% return, do that. Stay liquid, earn a higher return than what the mortgage interest is costing you. And this is quality advice that not a lot of people are actually going to give. And do the math on the CMHC premium or Genworth or Canada Guarantee, on the mortgage insurance premium. Because again, when they go from 5% to 6%, when they go from 10% to 11%, you look at the actual overall savings on that premium, which is built into the mortgage. Again, it's nil. Like they are not getting bang for their buck for that $10,000 down. Not when you show them the bang for the buck they could get by moving that $10,000 into an RRSP and saving, reducing their income taxes that year, the tax savings alone in that year. Now, I'm not a fan of RRSPs for you guys because you guys can incorporate. And that is the most powerful thing of all. That's a whole nother investment vehicle. And if you're incorporated, you don't have RRSPs because you don't T4 yourself either. You definitely want to have a TFSA, but I digress into a different topic for another day. So like I say, there's a little bit of language to use with your clients as well. And the final caption in all of that, cash is king. All right. Cash is king. Always, always keep some cash. Don't put every last penny into anything in particular. Always keep some cash. You know, what's your bank balance? Zero. What's your zero? There's a question to write down. What's my zero? Is my zero zero? There are some people who have a $5,000 overdraft in their checking account. I've never had an overdraft because I don't understand why you'd want that. It's really just a line of credit attached to your checking account. It's like turning your checking account into a credit card. It terrifies me, the, the concept of that. I don't like that. I love mortgage debt, especially mortgage debt that strangers are paying off for me. That's the best debt in the world. But I don't like consumer debt because I don't want to be seen as a consumer with debt. So I'm not into an overdraft. But for some people, zero is their $5,000 overdraft maxed out. That's when their account is at zero. That's not zero, that's negative 5,000. Zero is zero, of course, in, in real life, but I like to live in a little bit of a detached reality. And I remember when I first set zero as $1,000. Back in my 20s, it was like, okay, $1,000 in the bank, that's zero. If I go below 1,000, in my mind, I have no money. So in other words, I'm committed to having $1,000 laying dormant, not earning a return, not doing anything special for me. And that was really difficult because I felt like every penny I had should be out there working for me at all times. But I recognized that that was creating stress in 
other people's lives, uh, other people who matter to me uh, at that time and, and still do. So I gradually increased that number over the years as I got older and I started earning a little more money and started being a little smarter and making a little wiser choices. My zero went from a thousand to five thousand to ten thousand and, and and so on. And your zero should do the same. Your zero might start below zero, but get that zero to zero at least, and then start thinking about you know the the concept of a thousand dollars in the bank is no money in the bank. Five thousand dollars in the bank is no money in the bank. And the, the number I sort of always strive strive to hit was six months of my actual monthly expenses which now I'm digressing into a whole nother topic because do you know? Do you know where every penny goes? Have you got an Excel sheet with all of your expenses and all of your income all sorted out and you keep track of this and you pay attention to it on a monthly basis? Like how much am I really spending at Starbucks every month? Oh, look, it's this much. And down in the bottom right corner, you've got your net worth. And so long as that net worth number keeps going up, I don't worry about the rest of the numbers. I mean, I pay attention to them. I make sure they're staying in check. I want to see the income growing. I want to see the expenses maintaining or shrinking if possible. And I really, really am going to double check. Why is it going up? What am I allowing this expense, increased expense? What, what am I allowing to happen over here? So, you know, monitor your expenses push your income for growth and watch that bottom right number, net worth, net worth, where's that at? And if you're paying attention to those things, life gets a lot easier. Maybe it's a little more stressful at first looking at those numbers, but the more you pay attention to those numbers, the more they will fall in line because what you pay attention to, well, that's the stuff that we wind up putting our energy into, right?